First of all, I just want to say how good it is to see you here and, uh, and you to worship with us uh, this morning. But I want to let you know I have been really in prayer uh, this week, the past several weeks actually. And the Lord has been doing something in our church lately, as you can probably tell. I believe that He is taking us somewhere. And I know He's been teaching me some things so that he can take me somewhere and obviously I have to go first if I'm going to lead you there. Somebody say amen. Now I want to let you know if you help me this will go a lot better and a lot quicker. If you don't you're in for the long haul. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. So this week and I'm not going to preach on this but I'm going to share it with you. The Lord reminded me of the story of John the Baptist. Zacharias was in the temple and he was we're going to talk about the temple today, but he was performing the ceremonies of God. He and his wife were too old to have children, but they had been praying. The Bible says that the angel appeared to Zacharias and he said, Your wife is going to have a baby. You will call his name John. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll turn many in Israel to the Lord their God. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. He will not touch wine or strong drink. He will come in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. He will turn the heart of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready. Say make ready. Make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I believe that that is where the Lord is taking me. I believe that he would have me to preach so that the hearts of the family are turned towards each other once again. How many knows the devil is destroying families? I believe that he wants me to preach so that the disobedient will come to their senses. I believe that my calling is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Get ready. Make preparation. You know, the reason that Jesus called five out of ten virgins foolish was because they were not prepared for the big event. And the reason that he called five of them wise was because they had prepared themselves for the big event. And in the book of Revelations chapter 19, the word said, The marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride, that's you and I, has made herself ready. Shout ready. So there's some preparation. There's some making ready to do, and it's my job to lead you there and therefore sometimes my preaching is going to be probing it's going to poke you sometimes the prayer meetings are going to be intense and we're having another corporate prayer meeting next month for the next few weeks you're going to see that date announced and uh, we're going to have another corporate prayer meeting like we had a month or so ago why because I believe that it's time for God's people to seek the Lord say amen and I also declare to you this morning before we pray, I'm going to tell you something. And I believe this and I feel it in my spirit with everything that is within me. God is doing something in me and He is doing something in this church. He is coming back for a people who are prepared, who have pressed their garments, who have removed the filth of their flesh from their lives, and they have one common cry. And that is, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I believe that today. I want you to pray with me. Father in heaven, as we go to your word today and we receive instruction from your precious Holy Spirit, God, I'm asking you that you will cause us today to see clearly 
and to hear clearly what you are speaking to us by your word today. And God, I pray that with the fervor of the Holy Spirit, we would act upon your word and we would do what your word is instructing us to do today. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. We give you glory in advance. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Now let me say this before I go any farther. If you're visiting this morning or if you're watching for the first time and I'm finding that a lot of people across a lot of denominations uh, watch us quite a bit. And the other morning I was at the gym and somebody came up to me and said, Now Pastor Sean, Sunday in your sermon you said this. And they had a question and I went, Were you there? They said, no, we watch online all the time. I said, oh, well, praise the Lord. So I answered their question. So if you're watching for the first time this morning or you're a first-timer in the house this morning, I want to make a disclaimer and a disclosure to you. I am not a motivational speaker. I am a, uh, I don't know if they said amen because I don't motivate them or if they said amen because I'm not a motivational speaker. (laughs) But I am a spirit-filled Pentecostal preacher. I love you and I'm glad you're here, but I do not spend hours every week seeking the face of the Lord and going through the Word to deliver to you a message that makes you leave here feeling great about yourself but not knowing anything more about Jesus. I do what I do so that you leave here feeling bad about yourself and I leave here feeling bad about myself but feeling good and great about Jesus. Somebody say amen. Because He is the only hope that we have for the hot mess that we are. Can I get a witness? With that said, I want us to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us today through His Word. You don't have to stand because I'm going to do some commentary of my own on it as we read. 2 Chronicles chapter 29, we're going to read verses 3 through 11 and then verses 15 through 17. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. In the first year of his reign, who was he? Hezekiah. In the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Wow. First of all, how did they get closed and why did they need repair? Verse 4, he brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east and said to them, Hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him. And have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. They also shut the doors of the vestibule and put out the lamps. And have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore the wrath of the Lord came on Judah and Jerusalem. And he has made them an object of horror, of astonishment and of hissing. As you see with your own eyes. For behold our fathers have fallen by the sword. And our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. He said, King Hezekiah, he said, now I'm going to tell you why we're in trouble. I'm going to tell you why our families are messed up. I'm going to tell you why our enemies all around us are laughing and jeering and making fun of us. I'm going to tell you why our sons and our daughters are dying in battle. And I'm going to tell you why we're in spiritual ruin. It is because we as a people have turned our back on the Lord. That's what he said. He said we've considered the place that he sanctified for himself as nothing more than a trash pile. We have disregarded his holy temple. 
He says we've let the doors rot off the hinges. We've let the holy fire of God, the light of God go out in the temple. Our fathers did this and now we're walking in their footsteps and carrying on their unholy traditions and until we do something about it, Things are only going to get worse. Can I tell you this morning that in the world in which we live, until the church gets motivated enough to do something about it, things are only going to get worse. So in verse 10, then he says, Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord. I don't know if you understand what a covenant is or not, but a covenant is a vow that you make that you will not break. He says, now it's in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, in order that his fierce anger may turn away from us. He says, my sons, do not now be negligent, for the Lord has chosen you, follow this, to stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to be his ministers making offerings to him. Verse 15, they gathered their brothers and consecrated themselves, and they went in, as the king had commanded by the words of the Lord, to cleanse the house of the Lord. The priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all of the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it, and they carried it out to the brook Kidron. They began to consecrate on the first day of the month, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the vestibule of the Lord. Then for eight days they consecrated the house of the Lord, and on the sixteenth day of the first month they finished. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning a message I have simply titled Cleaning House. Cleaning House. Do you see what is happening here in this story that we're reading about? The holy place, the temple at which the whole world marveled. This thing that was built by the word of God through the hands of holy men and it was designated to point toward heaven and to say that God will dwell in the midst of his people. This place, this holy temple on the hill has now become so defiled, so tarnished, so spotted, and so blemished and totally forgotten until people would just loiter and talk and gamble and buy and sell and trade up on that holy mountain in that holy place. Or even worse than that, they started taking, follow this, they started taking their trash to the house of God because they were too lazy to take it to the dump. The city dump, the trash dump, that was down in the valley of Kadron. And now, I understand that trash has to be taken out regularly. Is there any men in the house that I can get an amen from? We have to do it at my house. Somebody just said, the man don't do it. I don't know who that was, but that's what they said. Friday is garbage day for us at our house, and I despise probably more than anything, having to remember, because many times I forget, to make sure that that stupid red bin makes it down to the end of the curb. How many knows what I'm talking about? All I have to do is push that little thing 50 feet on flat ground, and it's got wheels on it. But I think I thank the Lord that I have a wife that helps me when I forget. Because if I forget and it don't get out there and she has to take it, I hear about it. Come on, men, let me hear an amen. And if I forget and she forgets, I really hear about it the next day when it's all still sitting there. But I have a wife to help me remember to get it out there. You see, and that's nothing for me to do to just push that little thing 50 feet out to the curb and it on wheels on level ground. But I want you to consider the days of this writing that we're talking about when God's holy temple sat on a holy hill. And it used to shine. 
It used to be emblazed by the glory of God. But now all of the lamps were out. The doors were rotten. And the people were just lying around homeless on the steps and out in the foyer, the vestibule, the Bible said. Liars and cheaters and such people had taken over the temple. The city dump was down in the valley of Kadron. And see, you could go up that mountain halfway and there's where the temple sat. And most of the people lived up behind the temple on the top of the hill on up to the top of the mountain. And when their trash day came, they didn't like it any more than I do. And their wives would say, gather all the trash, take it to the dump. Now, I don't think they had those red containers with wheels on them like we have. I don't know, maybe. But one thing I can tell you that it was not, it was not flat land. They would have to take that container or that trash, they would have to take it from where they lived all the way down the mountain, past the temple, all the way down to the valley of Kadron. And then when they got done, they would have to go all the way back up that hill again. I want you to think about it. On a rainy night it's still got to be taken out. When it's snowing, it's still got to be taken out. So what do people do? What is the nature of people? I don't want to do this. I don't like doing this. And, and, and since the temple, I live up here, and since the temple down here is not being used, there's no glory there anymore. Who cares about this place anymore? So they would just walk by it, and, and instead of going on down to the valley of Kadron, they'd say, uh, why not? And they'd just take their bag of trash, and they'd just sling it up into the temple and go on back home. And then they started taking their discarded wood and their building materials that was left over, and you name it, they'll begin to start piling it in the temple. And then when one person did it, another person did it. And before too long, everybody was doing it. And the holy temple of God became the receptacle of filth and of foolishness and of trash and putrid things. God's holy temple. Until... God raised up a man by the name of King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah said this. He said, this cannot go on any longer. God has moved on me and I'm about to make a covenant with God and I'm telling you, the people who represent God, to get up and get your clothes clean. To remember who you are. You don't belong to them. You belong to God. He designated you to offer sacrifices and prayers to to him. He designated you to keep the fire burning in the temple. I would to God that we would have some men that would stand in pulpits all across this nation and stand up and declare to the people of God in the house of God, get up and clean yourself up. Remember who you are and remember whose you are. You don't belong to the world. You've been bought with the price. You belong to God Almighty and he has designated you to offer prayers and sacrifices in the temple. He's designated you to keep the fire burning. You are responsible for the dwelling place, the holy temple of Almighty God. King Hezekiah said that's the first reason we're going to do it because it's his house and it's his honor. The second reason we're going to do it is because, here we go, he has been insulted. And our babies are dying. And our men are going to war and they're not coming back. Somebody said, that's not a picture of the church. Yeah, our children are dying and leaving the church. Our people are getting involved in spiritual warfare and they get caught up and they don't know how to fight and they don't come back. And then he says, our homes are split up. Our economy's in a mess. That's another reason we're going to do it. So he said, get ready. Shout, get ready. 
And they sanctified themselves and they started cleaning house. And they cleansed the house of the Lord. Now think about this. It took them eight days. I'm talking about teams. Possibly even hundreds of people. It took them eight days to get all of the garbage out of the temple of God. And then they repaired the doors. They strengthened the hinges. And they lit the fires again. And then if you read on down, the Bible says, when they did this... And they offered burnt offerings in verse 27. The song of the Lord also began with trumpets and with the instruments of David, king of Israel. So all of the assembly worshipped and the singers sang and the trumpeters sounded. And all of this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had finished the offering, the king and everybody who was present bowed and worshipped. You see, when you get the trash out, the truth will come in. When you get rid of the sin and the junk, Jesus will come in. Oh, I'm reminded about a man named Achan in the Old Testament who thought that he could take his sin the things that he had stolen, and he could hide them in his tent. But I want to tell you something. God cannot and will not bless over sin. You cannot hide it in your tent. And because he thought he had it covered up, you might think you've got it covered up. Because he thought he had it covered up, the whole nation of Israel was defeated. Because when you get out the sin, Jesus will come in. When you get rid of the bad stuff, that's when the good stuff from heaven will enter the temple. Now in the Bible, the temple is mentioned in a number of different ways, and I want to talk about some of those this morning. It talks about the temple in the the wilderness. This is when Moses and the Israelites traveled. The Bible also talks about Solomon's temple, which was that opulent building that God told Solomon to build for his glory. There was Herod's temple in the day of Jesus. And that's the one that Jesus said, not one stone is going to be left upon another when the Romans come in and tear this temple down. The Bible talks about a tribulation temple, which means the Antichrist is going to allow Israel to build a temple during the tribulation period. And then we read about a millennial temple, a temple that will be erected in Jerusalem and will last for a thousand years while Jesus is reigning as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We read in the Bible about a heavenly temple, This is the temple that John the Revelator saw when heaven opened up and he saw the ark of God in the temple of God, he said. But then Jesus himself said to the Pharisees, go ahead and kill this temple. But in three days, I'll raise it back up again. So Jesus referred to his body as a temple. And then the Holy Spirit tells me that I am his temple. My body is the dwelling place. Your body is the dwelling place of Almighty God on this earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And then Paul says, follow this, but this temple, along with all of these temples, make up another temple. They make up the temple of the church. And we offer up sacrifices. And we offer up praises to God together. 
So what we have to understand is, is that we are a temple individually, each one of us making up a temple corporately, and we also have to understand that just as that temple on the holy hill became corroded and neglected, this one can be too. Mm-hmm. And when we neglect this temple, put your hand right here. When we neglect this temple, then this temple has no power in it whatsoever. When we go through religious motions, that's what the church has become. Just religious stuff with no power in it whatsoever. And I'm going to stop right here and tell you something. The church of Jesus Christ is not supposed to be just another gathering. This is not a schoolhouse that we where we come to and we learn a little bit and we then we take a test. No, 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 no. This is the place that where when we show up, he shows up. And when God shows up, there's power present that can heal the sick, that can raise the dead, that can open the blinded eyes, that can set the drug addict free and can put homes back together. You see, it ought to be waving through this congregation every time we assemble ourselves for worship because we have spent time cleansing this temple and pushing out the stuff that affects this temple. We ought to be cleansing ours every day of our lives so that when you and I come together in this place, there's a power that we've not experienced before. There's a presence that we've not experienced before. It's a power of the risen Jesus. You see... It took all of those scores of Levites and priests to keep the temple clean and to maintain it. The temple has to be maintained. The temple has to be cleansed regularly. The temple has to be guarded from that which is unholy, which insults the true and living God. You cannot just say, I'll go to church on Sunday. No. This is an effort to present your body, as Romans 12 and 1 says, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and you don't just do that once a week. God's design is that we do it every day. When he dropped manna from heaven for the Israelites to eat, it was every day, and it was just enough to get them through that day. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, what did he say? He said, give us this day our daily bread. I don't know about you. Maybe you think you've arrived at the place where you don't need him every day. But every morning when my feet hit the floor, I need him to give me the bread that it takes to get me through that day. God's blessings and God's commandments don't just come in bulk and big packages. It comes daily. And I've seen him do it not only in my personal life, but in the last six years of this church, I have watched him give us exactly what we needed, exactly when we needed it. But guess what? You have to seek for it. You have to apply it. And you have to scrub it. You have to cleanse it. And you ought to guard it and protect it. Because this is the most valuable thing to God. Your temple is the most valuable thing to God. 
It was for this that his son died on an old rugged cross. You see, he knows about your body. He knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your intentions. He knows what you're going to think today. And he also knows what you're going to think years from today. And here's one that that self-righteous people won't like. But guess what? He's not disappointed in your weaknesses, in your shortcomings, or your faults. He knows you. He knows all about you. But he also loved you enough to become the dwelling place, think about this, of his Holy Spirit on this earth. I am the dwelling place. You are the dwelling place. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And because it is, I owe him the effort. And you owe him the effort to keep your body clean, to keep your mind sanctified. And before you shout to keep your tongue bridled. You ever bridled a horse? Sometimes some of us need a bit stuck right in our mouth. And when we get ready to talk, somebody yanks the reins and goes, And you can't say what you want to say. Why? Because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Matthew 21, this is so amazing to me. God's word floors me at times. Jesus gets on a donkey and he rides into Jerusalem. And the Bible teaches us that the first miracle that he performed was turning water into wine. But before this first official act as Messiah, he went straight to the temple. And when he got to the temple, he saw buying, selling, cheating, lying, stealing, and self-exaltation. I wonder when he looks at the temple today if he sees any of that. Self-exaltation, what are you talking about, Pastor? The glory of man instead of the glory of God. I'm nobody special. I just have a job to do. You're nobody special. You just have a job to do. None of this is about your glory. None of this is about the praise team's glory. None of this is about my glory. It's got to be about the glory of God. So he saw the glory of man instead of the glory of God. And he watched as selfish, self-centered, godless people took the holy place and they turned it into a marketplace. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw that, he went aside and he took some cords and he began outside the temple to wind them together. And he was making a whip. Jesus sitting outside of the temple. Such righteous indignation in him as he sat there because of all that he saw, the foolishness and the sin that he saw. And he took enough time to wind those cords together and make a whip because he said, I cannot take this anymore. The Bible says he wound those cords together and he made a whip and he popped that thing. He must have been carrying it by his side and he started up those temple steps and when he walked in and he saw it the anger of almighty God came all over him and the Bible says that he started with that whip, think about this lashing at people and after they grabbed themselves and screamed and jumped and ran, the Bible says then he began to kick 
over their seats and he turned their tables over and then he took their money and he flung their money and he opened up the cages and he let the doves go and he let the animals go. Jesus, Jesus did this. Oh, that busts the bubble from some of you that say, oh, pastor, you said that too harsh. Jesus would have never said that like that. You wait till I start cracking whips and turning tables over and kicking seats. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm not too harsh. Jesus did this. And he said, my father's house is to be called a house of prayer. Did you catch that? That's why we're going to have corporate prayer again next month. Not so you can decide, oh, I may come, I may not come. That's not really what it's for. It's so that you can, if your schedule is clear, that you can be here to seek the face of God because if you call this church home, you ought to be praying for it. You ought to find a place in this altar for one hour. My Lord, Jesus asked the disciples, could you not watch with me for one hour? We want to act like we're too busy to get anything else done. I want to challenge you next month, give him one hour in prayer because he said my house is to be called a house of prayer he said but you have turned it into a den of thieves he had this propulsive divine anger the same man that came to die on the cross the son of God who yielded his body was so indignant about what people had done to the temple that he lashed he whipped he kicked He turned over and he drove out. And you would think that would have been it. But Jesus had to do this twice. That was the first time. Three years later, he comes riding in on a donkey. They're throwing their clothes in his path. And children and adults are throwing out palm leaves. They're waving them and they're screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that place was going crazy. If you think worship gets to going around here sometime, you ain't never seen anything. Those people was waving palm branches, screaming Hosanna to the top of their lungs. Bless the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then Jesus gets to the foot of those steps of that temple again. He gets off that donkey and he walks up those same steps because just three years later, they were doing it again. Because that's the nature and the wickedness of humanity. You hear your pastor this morning. You can drive sin out. You can drive evil out. But it will only go as far as you drive it. If you only drive it this far. This is where it will be. If you drive it a mile. It will go a mile. But it will always be looking for a way to get back. It'll always be looking for a crack or an entrance of some sort somewhere to move back in so that it can take over what is holy. It doesn't care about anything else but itself. That's what evil is. Satan wants what God has. That's how he got kicked out of heaven. He wanted the worship that God was receiving. He wants to move in. He wants to trespass on the holy and divine property of Almighty God. And if you let Satan stay too close, all you got to do is turn your head or blink your eyes and he'll move right back in where he was so Jesus walked up there again and this time it didn't mention a whip of cords this time it said Matthew 21 verses 12 through 14 then Jesus went into the temple of God and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple 
And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. I want you to notice something. This verse starts, no, the first verse, then, with the word then. Now, I want you to look at verse 14. After Jesus went into the temple and did all of that, verse 14, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. What are you saying, pastor? When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. The temple is not supposed to be a place of human fellowship. We need to connect. I'm a firm believer in connection. We need to fellowship together. But this assembly right now is not about fellowship. This assembly is about worship and the word. The temple is not supposed to be a place of human fellowship and we turned it into that. Whether it's this temple or whether it's this temple, we've lost the sight of the purpose of being the temple of God Almighty. And I'm afraid to say, but I'm bold enough to say, that many churches have violated the holiness of God. And that's why the lame are not there. That's why the blind are not there. That's why the lost are not getting saved. That's why the gifts of the Spirit are not in operation. Oh Lord, Pastor, don't start talking about the gifts of the Spirit on Sunday mornings. Why is it in this movement today that people want to think that you've got to relegate that to a special scheduled service or a Sunday night service? I would to God that the gifts of the Spirit would begin in such an operation in one of our morning services that it would turn your world absolutely upside down. God is to do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it in this temple. The word said then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. What's the significance of that? I think a lot of times the blind come to the temple and they stay blind. The lame come to the temple and they stay lame. But when you get rid of what shouldn't be in the temple. When you let God come into a sanctified temple. When you push the bad out. The good will come in. When the junk is gone. The Lord Jesus will come in. And what will happen? I'll tell you what will happen. Lame people will walk. Blind people will see. Drug addicts will get set free. The homes will be restored. Lost will be saved. The sick will be healed. Even our little children in the back in elementary school ministry might begin to have revival and cry out, Hosanna to the Son of God. When we let God clean the temple, God will come in. You ought to give the Lord some praise this morning. And I'm almost done. The lame. I hear this all the time. I don't preach about it much. I get irritated about it sometimes. But liberal churches saying that people who have to have, as they call it, an experience. People that have to sing and sway. All those people that think they got to lay their hands on the sick and anoint with oil and be in all of those wild services, they call them, are out of order. But you know what? I'm just going to put it on the table for you this morning. You can eat it or not. You don't ever see anything spiritual happen in those kind of churches. There's some houses of God this morning that are full, but they wouldn't know the spirit of the living God if it smacked them right in the face. Am I condemning them? No. I'm just telling you that around here, 
I still believe God is a healer. I still believe Jehovah Rapha. He is my healer. He healed me. He's your healer. Has he ever healed you? I still believe there's not a disease that he is not able to heal. I get sick and tired of hearing these people say, oh, don't call them up and pray for them. They've got stage four cancer, or they've got this, or they've got that. What's it matter what they've got? If Almighty God gets a hold of them, I still believe he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I don't believe God's sitting up there saying, you know, I'm tired. I don't want to do that anymore. That's what people do. I still believe the prayer of faith can save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. I still believe you can lay hands on the sick and they recover. Oh, here we go. I still believe that people can get filled with the Holy Spirit. Woo. I said I still believe that people can get filled in the Holy Spirit. And I don't think we have to schedule a Sunday night, a Wednesday night, a Monday night, a Tuesday night, or a Friday night for it to happen. I believe if you get hungry, I believe what happened on the day of Pentecost ought to be happening in the churches on Sunday mornings. I've heard it till I'm tired of hearing it. I just want to tell you this. I've heard it till I'm tired of hearing it. And you'll get it in most seminaries that you go to. Some people come out of seminary thinking that, that, that God was yesterday instead of today. Push that back to yesterday. We don't do that anymore. They think that God has changed somehow. But this book tells me, actually he said himself, I am the Lord and I change not. Another scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm telling you that if he baptized the early church in the Holy Ghost 2,000 years ago, he's ready to baptize another one in the baptism of his spirit today. If they could cast out devils, we ought to be casting out devils. If they could see the sick healed, we ought to be seeing the sick healed. If they could lay hands on folks and they would recover, we ought to be laying hands on folks and seeing them recover. And if they could preach and see multitudes of people saved, Multitudes ought to be getting saved and delivered today. If they'll come to the music this morning, this afternoon now. I have a pastor friend. He pastors over in Hazard in Perry County. Maple Street Church of God. Mike Smith, a great man. He has a church that runs about maybe 60% maybe 60-70% of what this one runs but it's a great church Spirit of the Lord is there they have been doing some ministry that they call taking it to the streets and the Lord just kind of blew their minds yesterday they had I think it was even number 11 the, the 11th time that they've held taking it to the streets and they held it at the park Somewhere in downtown Hazard, the Perry County Public Park or somewhere like that, some kind of park venue. And they gave away all kinds of stuff and free prizes and all that. They did all that stuff to draw people in. But then they presented the gospel. And it wasn't a major production of a church service or an outside concert or anything like that. They presented the gospel. And to their amazement, 75 people accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior yesterday. in a park outside in Perry County. But can I tell you that it's not just going to happen on its own. Some Levites and some priests, see, 
the Levites, we like to refer to the praise team a lot of times as the Levites because the Levites were the people that was on the forefront, the front line of the battle. So the, the, some, some folks that are on the forefront of the battle and some priests and some lay members are going to have to stand up and say, we need this temple cleaned out. We need to clean this house. Some men and women of God are going to have to declare that we've let too much stuff in here. And I want to tell you, sometimes we've let too much stuff in here. Too many money changers. Too many celebrities. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Too many people that want to be celebrities. The church has turned into fellowship for us and programs for us. And everything's got to cater to us. And professional preachers who just draw a salary and that's their job. And they went to school and learned how to become a preacher. And that's all they do. They just bury people and marry people and give a speech on Sunday. Please understand where I'm coming from today. If you are a minister of any kind of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are not just a professional. You were called. You were picked out. God has laid His hand on you. If you're a Levite, a praise team member, a band member, a Sunday school teacher, a small group leader... If you're a leader of any kind, God has placed His hand on you. You've got an anointing that not everybody else has. You've got a specialty on you. You're not one of them. You're not like the world. You've been called out. You've been bought with the price. You are not your own. You belong to God. And it's your responsibility to keep this temple clean. Because when this temple is clean, and all these temples get together in this temple, something will happen that will blow your mind. I want you to stand with me all over the house and I'm going to close. Paul said, death is alive in us so that life can reign in you. We die so that in our mortal flesh, the world around us can see the love and the life of a risen Jesus. And I want to tell you something this morning, family. If revival is ever going to come, somebody's going to have to say, I'm done with this half-hearted living. I'm done with straddling the fence. I'm going to name the name of Jesus Christ and I'm going to seek the face of Jesus. I am going to clean out this temple because I want the glory of God in this place.